and welcome to this, the fifth in our series of talks following the prayer course. Each of us goes with a video on YouTube, uh, sometimes discussion in our cell groups, and this brilliant book, How to Pray, a simple guide for normal people, of which every copy we had has now, I hear, been sold. So uh, I was going to invite you to buy one this morning, but it's too late now. Uh, but you can get it on Kindle. Unanswered prayer, a tricky topic even for the most wise of pastors. There's no simple answer. Some of you will already have discovered there is a follow-on to the prayer course called The Unanswered Prayer Course and another book called God on Mute, Engaging the Silence of Unanswered Prayer. And Frank raves about it, so it must be good. But there's no quick or glib or easy answer to the anguish we all have when that thing we most desperately seek is not met or has not been met. Then from... Uh, St. James touched on it two weeks ago when he said, no matter how bleak things are, he holds on to three things about God, that he hears us, that he is always with us, and he is certainly not apathetic. His silence is not abandonment, and yet it still throws us when we don't get the answers we are so desperately seeking. Because we're Christians, aren't we? We believe and we're taught about the power of prayer, especially persistent and trusting and honest prayer. And we have all in our lives seen situations radically altered, lives changed, and amazing healings. Jesus said to us in John 14, 14, we've been hearing virtually every week, if you ask the Father anything in my name, that means in accordance with the purposes of God, I will do it for you. Last week we heard James 5, is there anyone in the church sick? Call the elders of the church down to pray over them, anoint them with oil, and the prayers offered in faith will make the sick person well. If only it was so predictable, we must think. If only it was so easy, many people sitting there hearing that sort of thing must be thinking. Now, Pete Gregg opens the chapter this week by describing he was once the guest preacher in one of those big mega churches in Florida. Hundreds of people. And he preached. He'd prepared especially um, his best material on the power of prayer. He described, like Sean did last week, great things that happened as a result of the prayer of the faithful. And unlike Sean last week, he failed to make a single bit of impression with the congregation. They sat there and they stared up at him blankly. Later on, he found out that uh, the pastor's wife had just died. She'd got cancer. And despite prophetic words in the church of recovery, of fasting, of prophecies, of, 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 of vigils, uh, of the prayer of people throughout the world, she still died. And that church was still broken and just not ready to hear from him. And Pete himself describes and has described in the videos how he's lost friends at a young age. Has he almost lost his wife to a brain tumour and they've had to cope as a family with an ongoing severe disability. Prayer did not exempt them from the troubles of this life. Although they will certainly claim it has sustained them through them. Jesus said, you will have troubles. The Bible is much more honest and open about the church than the fact that about the fact that prayer is not always answered immediately or in the way we want. It doesn't always offer explanation, though, but it does describe. And in the first reading today, the start of that book of Habakkuk is about the prophet complaining that Israel is on the verge of being overrun and collapsed completely by the Persians. And the first line of, of Habakkuk is, "How long, Lord, must I cry out to you for help, but you don't listen?" You're not listening. Or how long do I cry out to you? Violence all around me, but you do nothing to help me. 
This is the time in which Habakkuk was living. These are the crises through which many of us go through. And many of the Psalms open in exactly the same way. We previously heard two weeks ago how Hannah was barren, which made her a failure as a wife in that society. Year after year, she went up to Shiloh to pray for her child, while her husband had taken another wife who had several children over the years and then tormented her mercilessly. In 2 Corinthians 12, Paul reports that his ministry is impaired by what he calls a thorn in his flesh. Maybe it's a physical illness or pain. Maybe it's a spiritual battle. Maybe it's another sort of weaknesses. And he says he prayed. No, it says he pleaded. I pleaded three times with the Lord. Now, that doesn't mean he pleaded on a Monday and a Tuesday and a Wednesday and then gave up. When you plead, when you pray three times, it means you pray again and again and again. He says, I pleaded repeatedly, Lord, take this thorn, take this drag on my ministry for you, Lord, away from me. It will make things so much better. And God refused. And even Jesus himself knows the power of unanswered prayer. In John 17, he prays that we might all be one and all my followers be brought to complete unity. Well, Rachel will have heard what a great example this church has shown over the last eight months in getting behind its wardens during this time of waiting. But I think we can all agree as Anglicans and as Christians in the world, Jesus is still having to pray that prayer from the Father's side even today. Now, you'll hear this week, you'll hear this morning, the prayer course teaches that most unanswered prayers remain unanswered for one of three reasons. Either God's world, God's war, or God's will. And this again, Pete himself says, is not a complex answer to a very complex question but it's an opening of a discussion but I want to digress for a second first now some of you will have seen the 2003 movie Bruce Almighty in which God who is played by of course Morgan Freeman who only Morgan Freeman possibly could have done it gets sick of Jim Carrey constantly whinging that he never gets what he prays for um, he says look you think you can do it better I'm going to give you the job for a week and this guy uh, is immediately swamped by millions of often competing prayers and just overwhelmed by them. And God says, no, actually, you're getting off gently here. I've just given you one small street in a small town in upper New York. You know, everyone is putting their needs before God. Um, character's answer to this is to lazily just say, oh, there's a big group there, just want to win the lottery. It's going to solve all their financial problems. So he lets them all win the lottery, and the next day they're all angry because they've won 10 pence each or something, you know. It's not that easy to give everyone everything they ask for. But I want to be positive before we get into unanswered prayer. What about what we do not see? Do you remember, 10 lepers were healed by Jesus, of whom, only, uh, of whom nine couldn't appreciate what God had done for them in the same way. Do I forget every day the gift of faith, of purpose in God, but also of food, of love and kindness as shown to me daily, of health, we're all still here. You know, we've all been to the doctor with a symptom that he says, well, that's just antibiotics. The next person goes and it's something much more serious, maybe something not recoverable from. You know, maybe God, just want to put it to you, that maybe God is answering more of our prayers for ourselves and for others than we give him credit for. We notice the outlier because it's different. Like we notice the person who wasn't wearing their mask on a train during lockdown. Like we notice bad behavior. Like we notice the dog that can stand on its legs and juggle, you know. We notice the outlier, but we don't notice all that God has given us uh, in prayer and for others in our prayers all the time. 
But it's that what, and that's not to make light of what people have had to bear. We notice that one gut-wrenching, unanswered prayer that gnaws at us in our hearts. It's like a sore thumb. And usually because it's not selfish, it's not greedy, it's not unreasonable, it's something massive that is breaking us, or we see breaking somebody else that we just say, Lord, Lord, we are pouring out our hearts here. Why don't you answer? So let's look at those three things briefly, and I know you'll unpack them in the week. The first is God's world. This is a wonderful world, uh, and when you look down from a plane and you just appreciate, not on the way back, it was full of cloud, but on the way out, it was sunny, and you, can, you fly over Cornwall, then you fly over the Brittany Peninsula, and then you fly over San Diego to Compostela, and you land in Portugal, and you're thinking, what a wonderful world this is. But it has rules in it, it has natural laws, so that we understand it. You know, if I walk in front of a car, the force of that amount of metal at that speed hitting me in kilonewtons on human tissue will injure me. If I walk home from church naked today, the cold, hold that thought, the cold will kill me. You know, my junior at work, like most brides, said, John, John, will you just pray it's sunny for me on Saturday, on my wedding day, surely one day. But if every bride in the world prayed that prayer and got that answer, the human race would starve to death in 12 months as our crops failed. You know, we have some football fans, not maybe at this service. The second service is Rob is praying, Rob is praying like crazy for Liverpool to win and Pete is praying like crazy for Manchester City. Who is God going to let win? The answer is God is not partisan on this. The answer is the, the team will win who is ever player runs in front of that ball and hits that ball at the right angle, at the right speed, into the net. You know, <laughs> those are the laws of physics that we live in. And sooner or later we know that these bodies we live in will wear out and die and we will complain equally if that takes too long or too short a time. We are bound by the rules that God has put us under. Now we know, we know that God is sovereign over these laws and we know that Jesus broke them freely on many occasions. He turned water into wine. He walked on the water. He calmed the storm. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. And we've heard testimonies of unexplainable events, unexplainable events or changes in people's lives today. But as C.S. Lewis said, Christian faith teaches the ability of God to do miracles and break his laws as he requires. But in the very conception of an understandable and common and stable world requires that these occasions are rare. I think there's a lot more can be said on that, but basically we live in a world, a world that has uh, rules. Second is uh, God's world, God's war. Now, this is Homs in Syria, um, and there are many wars in the world, and in seconds lives can be destroyed, cities can be destroyed that took years or centuries to build up. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. God's war started on the day of the fall and will not fully end until the day he returns in victory. And Paul reminds us in Ephesians, this war, which actually starts inside our hearts, is not against earthly rulers. It's against the authorities, the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in all the heavenly realms. So there's another prayer of Jesus that's not yet been fully answered that he continues to pray, that his will is done fully on earth as it is in heaven. And so the, the, the war that God fights against the powers of evil is not fully over, but it is effectively won already. We are not powerless here in prayer and in service to others. We can fight back and see God's purposes unfold. And thirdly, 
It's the whole complex question of God's will. What happens when our prayers are unanswered and they're not against the basic rules of nature and they're not being thwarted by the purposes of Satan? We just don't understand when so much of what we seek, which seems to be so much in tune with God's purposes to bless his people, how could there be any purpose in God's plans in allowing ongoing pain and disability to take away the loss, uh, to take away in great loss a loved one, a young parent, a child even, in brokenness from poverty and violence? That's much harder to answer, and all we can do is cling on to God's promises. You know, there's been times in my life when I prayed desperately for something for weeks, for months. I don't think what I was praying for was wrong. And in some of those situations, I can see with much later hindsight, the best outcome was not the one I was initially seeking. But in others, I still, I still cannot fathom any purpose. You know, I was on this plane yesterday. Now, I have to say, you think, oh, lovely, John was on holiday. I hate going on holiday. I hate getting on holiday because I hate flying. I'm a very nervous player. I'm one of, flyer. I'm one of those people who grips the seat rests all the way through and looks at his watch and says, oh, another hour and 39 minutes to go. Yes. Uh, if you're not like that, you don't understand. But, uh, but I have to say, there were two fairly smooth flights, thankfully, and they're only two and a half hours, and they're only 20 quid each, so you can't knock it. But the, um, uh, although part of me is thinking, how can they run this airline safely for 20 quid ahead, you know? <laughs> uh, anyway, so uh, but on the way back, the cloud was from just below us all the way down to the ground all the way through. It was quite murky yesterday, wasn't it? And so for the last 45 minutes, we were just flying. You look out the window, all you can see is cloud. Now, I don't understand things like GPS or altimeters or navigational beacons or ground radar, how they work but I did trust doesn't mean I like it but I did trust that they would get us down safely and sure enough you know we come out of the cloud the runway is 100 yards below us and we're landing 30 seconds later you know in the same way I don't need to understand all the purposes of God for me to trust in them may not like what I have to go through sometimes but I do need to hold on to the fact that uh, we have been promised that we can trust God's plans for us in today's reading, then, to turn to the story of Gethsemane, the Garden of the Olive Press. Jesus is at a time of great need in his prayer, a time of great desperation. Luke says he's so desperate, he sweats tears of blood. This is a medical condition, a rare medical condition, brought on by massive physiological stress. His agonizing humiliation and death is just ahead of him. But worse, worse, he is going to have to take on the sin of all the world. This is repugnant to his very holiness. His own father, he knows, will not even be able to look at him. It's unbearable for him what he has to face. And worse, because he has choices. He can run away. He can disguise himself. He can blast Pilate and all his soldiers into dust. But what he does do, he throws himself into prayer. He literally throws himself into prayer because he throws himself onto the ground. Luke says he throws himself face down onto the ground and two examples that he can share with us he shared with his friends and he was open about his vulnerability and need he didn't bottle it all up just himself and how often do we fail to get people behind us when we're going through a tough time and secondly he persisted luke said uh, also the more anguished he got the more earnestly he threw himself into that prayer and he prayed this simple one verse prayer abba father everything is possible for you Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will.
The whole of his suffering encapsulated in 20 words. What else can we get out of that? Well, a matching of the first lines of his own Lord's Prayer to this prayer, but with a slight slight twist. So firstly, they both acknowledge God's total love and power. Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You're a loving Father. Sometimes in despair, we begin to think that God either doesn't care or can't help. I don't want to live like that. That is a purposeless world. When we trust in God's love and God's power, no matter what answer comes back, or maybe if no answer comes back, there's always comfort and a future within his plans for us. Secondly, he's honest about what he wants, and this is where the the two prayers diverge. In the Lord's Prayer, he says, your kingdom come. In the second, he says, Lord, take this cup away from me. That is the exact opposite. If, If the cup is taken away from him, God's kingdom will not come. Satan will not be defeated. Without the cross, as Paul says, there is no resurrection. There is no new life. There is no defeat of sin. So Jesus is praying exactly the opposite of God's will. But he's being honest and he's giving us permission here when we pray. And even when we know our prayer is imperfect, even when we're not sure if it's God's will, he wants us to be honest and say exactly what is on our hearts. Because only there can a true conversation start. Possibly wanting something that may not be God's purposes, we just don't know them. But being honest about where we're coming from, what we're feeling. But thirdly, we're back then to Jesus's submission before God. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, says the Lord's Prayer. But Jesus said here, yet not what I will, but what you will. Not my will, but yours be done. There will be times in our lives when accepting God's will for us or for others will take real surrender because it wounds us to the very core. And I say that as someone who is single and therefore has never lost a partner or a child, which is different to losing a parent. I think painful though that can be. Um, I say that as someone who has always been lucky in many ways and has never gone through some of the things people go through. But there will be times in all our lives when accepting God's will for us will be very, very difficult. And this isn't apathy or defeatism when we reach this point. We may not understand why God has seemingly refused our prayer, but we can trust in his love and purposes nonetheless. So just want to summarize by saying, well, what positivity, what positivities can come out of unanswered prayer? It's not all bleak. Are you praying for something desperately now without results, for someone's health, for someone's recovery, for desperate financial worries, uh, for various problems that just seem to overwhelm? Are you still seeking answers for something so big that now can't be put right in the way you wanted it put right at the time and still struggling with that with God? Well, don't give up. Do not give up. God says, Scripture says, it's good to grapple. Only people with no faith expect nothing from an uncaring or unable God. Keep taking it to God. Sometimes the answer takes time and sometimes it's not the answer we wanted. But he is listening. Firstly, three benefits. Firstly, it does have an effect. You know, eventually had a child, Hannah had a child, but long before she had the child, it says, she got up, she ate some food and was no longer sad. Luke says Jesus was comforted by an angel who came from God to give him strength as he prayed. And in the end, he was strengthened to get up and face the agony of the cross. 
We are being changed by our prayer. Situations are being changed by our prayers. Sometimes it just takes time or we can't see what's happening in other areas. Don't doubt that it's not having an effect somewhere. Secondly, it builds our character. Paul, fortunately, or unfortunately, knows exactly why God won't take away the thorn that seems uh, to be making his ministry harder. Because God's told him it was to stop him becoming conceited. You know, he was such a powerful apostle and powerful prophet, powerful healer and powerful evangelist. If he didn't have this, he says he would have started to boast And therefore, Paul says God gave him this thorn, or rather allowed Satan to give him this thorn, to stop him becoming conceited. He says then, I delight therefore in my weaknesses, in the insults I receive, in the hardships I go through, in the persecutions I suffer, in all my difficulties. Because it's when I'm weak, it's then I'm strong, because that's when I'm doing it in God's strength. That's when I'm depending on God. Suffering, perseverance, character, hope. And thirdly, it teaches us to submit fully to God's will in our lives. You know, there's a hymn that says, you know, we never will know the delights of his love until all on the altar we lay. And sometimes it takes something really painful we have to lay before God to teach us the truth of that. If faith is a gift from God, then faithfulness clearly is our gift back. I believe, I choose to believe that God can do it, but even if he doesn't, I choose to still trust in him. And often I see around me in this church, there are great examples in this book of people who have had to submit terrible events in life to God's purposes and grown from it and reached so many others through it. But you don't have to go to the book. In this church, I see people who have remained faithful to God through great trauma and great difficulties. And you know what? They are the people who have continued to serve and witness and encourage and set an example to the rest of us that we look up at them and say if they can live through that if they can live through that trauma or loss or disability you know surely i owe it to do the same their example of faithfulness adversity builds the rest of us up so our unanswered prayers i think always have an effect somewhere build our character up and teach us to submit fully before god in a way that he can then use just want to finish with those two bits of those readings again and then a quick prayer from Habakkuk. Although I can't do it as well as Anne. Uh, though the fig tree has not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop has failed and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will still rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my saviour because the sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. Jesus went a little further and prayed, Abba, Father, everything, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Let's pray. Father, we we bring our needs before you. Sometimes we just don't understand when you don't seem to be answering us. But we acknowledge you as sovereign in our lives. We know that you have purpose for us that we cannot always understand. And we know that with you we can always be honest about how we're feeling. And we know that you hear us 
and you care about us. Let your will and not my will be done in my life. Amen.